Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to our kickoff of our celebration of Pride Month. And we are going to be discussing Love, Victor, and Love, Simon. Love, Simon first, and then Love, Victor after that. And just really quickly, before um, before we get into this and before I have Bex introduce herself and tell me something she's into, um, I just think it's important if you have any kind of platform, uh, no matter how small or how big it is, and it's a public platform that you speak out on stuff, and I know this has been a hard week, couple of weeks, months, years for this country when it comes to gun violence and mass shootings. And I just, I just want to say this is, it's just enough. We can't keep wearing blinders. Guns are the issue. Guns are the number one issue here. It's nothing else. All the other issues they say are all the way to scapegoat because it's all about guns. And it's also all about capitalism, in my opinion, too. Um, That is why nothing has ever been done. Uh, Other countries have had this happen and done something right away, and then it doesn't happen again. And the things they've done right away all involve guns. So you can't tell me that this is not guns. Also, you can't tell me that it takes one good guy with a gun because there were a bunch of good guys with guns that did nothing as children were slaughtered. So we have to speak out and say stuff. This is, you can't just be silent. You can't just be, this isn't the time. It is the time. Because while you say it's not the time, another one of these can happen and do happen. We had Buffalo and then a week later, we had this. We had Buffalo, day later, we had the mass shooting at the church in Southern California. Okay, so you cannot tell me that we need to wait. And this is not about politicizing something. This is about trying to actually flip and do something. We've been asking and begging for this for over 20 years now. Okay, that's it's ridiculous. And I can't even imagine being a parent right now. So I my heart really goes out to all parents out there. And, and all the kids out there that are being asked by the NRA and by these politicians to basically lay down their lives for your right 
to have a gun. It's so ridiculous. And don't give me the Second Amendment that was written so long ago and definitely not with what we're talking about in mind. So and make people uncomfortable. You know, I see people saying, don't make people uncomfortable. No, make people uncomfortable. Do what certain politicians are doing. Do what Beto O'Rourke did. Do what do what um, Chris Murphy did. Do what the guy who, who confronted Ted Cruz just last night in a restaurant did. Make these people uncomfortable because that's the only way things are going to change, not just voting, because as we've seen, voting is not doing it. Okay, and it's not just Republicans that are the problem here. It's also Democrats. It's also the people we elect. So we have to keep speaking out. We have to keep doing things. We have to use our platforms to actually say something. And if you're not doing that, Mm -hmm. then it just bothers me. You need to do that any way you can to speak out. So I just wanted to make sure to say that before we started because it's just... Thank you for saying that. No, it, it's very, it's very true. You know, voting is important, yes, but it's not enough. It's not the only thing. It, it, we can't stop voting, of course, but we can't settle for just voting because, as you mentioned, that hasn't been working for us. So there's the, taking action, supporting those who are speaking out. I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, it's the least. It's such a small thing. But it's something that people need to do. I've always believed that if you have a public platform, that's why I hate when people say celebrities should not talk about politics. No, celebrities should. They have a platform where a lot of people are going to see that. A lot of people that might not see the message that other people are saying. And so if you have that platform, I think you kind of have a responsibility to say stuff. Uh, No matter what it is. I know we're an entertainment podcast, but we're a pop culture podcast, but we still talk about tough issues and we should and it's a and and no matter how small or big your platform is you know just actually saying something and I'm not saying that you know I, I think it is also important to take care of your mental health during times like this I really do sure but we can't just be like oh well shrug you know and get used to it because we have gotten used to it in this country that's what's sad we've gotten so used to it that it's we're numb to it so um, yeah. yeah, so just wanted to to get that out there. So thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I hope that this can also at least bring some joy or a little bit of joy for just a little bit here uh, talking about this. So but before we dive in to love Simon and then love Victor after that, Bex, what are you into right now in pop culture? Well, since I haven't really gotten a chance to watch either Kenobi or much of Stranger Things yet, I'm going to go with uh, Grace and Frankie. And I know that that's been out for quite a while now, but it, I know it just dropped its last season. And my mom had been like bugging me to watch it for a long time and I just hadn't gotten around to it. And, you know, Kim and I just did an episode on Jane Fonda on Big Reputations. And we were talking about that show and sort of the premise of having, you know, older women, how they're represented in pop culture media sort of thing. And so I was like, you know what? I really do need to give this show a chance. And I'm really enjoying it. It's, it has been a a nice little piece of, of escapism in, in a sense, you know, especially in those early seasons. And I just love seeing the friendship develop between two women. That's not 
necessarily like it's not a romantic relationship it's just them helping each other out and supporting one another and I'm just I'm really enjoying it so that's that's my what I'm into now yeah yeah my mom loves that show that was like that's like very much my mom's show and and I've only watched the first season of it so someday I'll have to watch the rest of it uh, but I appreciate that there's a show like that that also deals with women still being sexual beings at an age over it's sad to say this over 30 because they're way over 30 but it's sad to say over 30 but it's true in pop culture it's so rare that you see that so i appreciate mm-hmm. that a lot and, and jane fonda is just amazing and speaking I, about a celebrity using their platform for good <laughs> she has for decades now so <laughs> yes she has she oh. yeah when we did that episode on her i was like oh like i kind of thought she was cool before then but like every time we do an episode on a new woman i'm like wow i've just learned so much about this individual that like how does the world not know it and i guess like that's the point of our podcast but (laughs) it i'm so glad to see the things that she's doing and i i hope she continues to speak out yeah she's the real deal i think she will probably continue speaking out until she physically can't anymore kind of thing it's like that's i mean you know that's just who she is she's been doing it for so long so just part of her. Um, well, I'm going to mention a couple of things really quickly here. What I am into Stranger Things. I did. I did watch the first two episodes uh, yesterday. I really love the route this new season is taking. I'm not going to say much, but I just love the fact that it's more horror, <laughs> like real horror. It reminds me a lot of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street in some ways. So I really enjoy what they're doing so far. You know, there are certain characters I like more than other characters, <laughs> for sure. But I am enjoying it. And I loved that there was a Cramps song in the very first episode. I just want to mention that because nobody ever talks about the band, the Cramps. Most people don't even know who the Cramps are. Like Bex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at music, though. So, like, I, Well, no, yeah. a lot of people don't know who the Cramps are. They, okay, they, all right. I don't have to feel so bad. No. They are a very interesting band that was categorized as, like, Psycho Billy is what they're called. And the lead singer, Lux Interior, who sadly passed away, was such a unique and amazing individual. And I saw them in concert once in one of the most unique concerts I've ever seen. I mean, they had a band that has a puppet show before they opened <laughs> It's very interesting. Right. They're they're very I, I love that band a lot. So yeah. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing I'm well, I'm not into part of this, but I also wanted to just mention another really sad thing. I mean, and, and Ray Liotta passed as well too, and and other people, but um Andrew Fletcher, who uh was the keyboardist and uh was one of the co-founders of Depeche Mode passed away and as listeners may know Depeche Mode is my heart and soul band and that really crushed me really hurt a lot that was so sad and he was only in his 60s and it's just really heartbreaking to me because I can't even begin to tell you what their music means to me I would not have made it through life this far without their music honestly so um I've been listening to some Depeche Mode uh, in honor of Fletch. Uh, that was his nickname, Andrew Fletch Fletcher. So um, may he rest in peace and thank him so much for all the wonderful art that he gave to the world and helped save a lot of lives. I know that for a fact. So yeah, 
Okay, well now let's get into Love, Simon first and Love, Victor. I do want to say just quick trigger warnings. I'm, I'm not positive of a lot of this stuff will be triggering, but we'll probably be mentioning homophobia. Uh, when we get to Love, Victor, we might be talking about sub substance abuse as well. Um, so I just wanted to make sure to put those triggers out there. So, yeah. Okay. So, Bex, I just want to know what your overall thoughts on the film Love, Simon. So I went to see this in the movie theater. I insisted on it. I'm not usually like go see a rom-com in a theater type person. I'll wait till it comes on streaming and all that. I like the big action-y things on film, you know, <laughs> or on the big screen. But I insisted on this one because I was like, but it's a queer love story. I need to see this. And I remember watching it and part of me saying, like, this is such a stereotypical teen rom-com drama like whatever is happening here it's got the you know the the big party when the parents are away with the solo cups and it's got the angst and the this love interest and the this miscommunication but at the same time it was so different because finally it was a story about two teen boys falling in love with one another right mm -hmm. that 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 alone gave it something so fresh. And I walked out of there not thinking, oh, this is another typical teen movie, but thinking, wow, this was really a heartfelt film that was really carefully considered and, and well thought out when they put it together. So um, I had never read the book on it, so I didn't really know much about the, I mean, I had a rough idea of the premise, but I didn't know a lot of the details and, I, I loved it. I just watched it again this morning and I was like, oh, I love it now because now I know who the love interest is. So as you're watching and you're like, you're picking up these little little moments that they kind of laid out for you all along. Um, definitely some cringe moments, but I think that just comes with the uh, the territory of a teen movie. You know, that whole like the Martin's love confession. Oh, like, yeah. In the like uh, like so much secondhand embarrassment so much cringe but that goes with the territory of that genre and so it wasn't terribly shocking I just it was amazing to me how that film could simultaneously be so cliche and yet so fresh and new just in case you don't know what love Simon is and by the way we're going to be spoiling who the love interest is so you may not want to listen yet until you watch the movie uh, but Love, Simon, which was adapted from a book, is about Simon's fear, who's keeping a huge secret from his family, his friends, and all of his classmates, and that's that he's gay. Uh, when that secret is threatened, Simon must face everyone and come to terms with his identity. And where the love Simon is coming from is he's first posing as someone else um, in emails. So, um, and he's writing to someone who's saying, who signs everything, Love Blue. And um, so it's like this little thing where they're writing back and forth and both of both of the men are or boys, sorry, are still in the closet. So both of them haven't come out yet. So just so you know, so it's about dealing with that. So and then Love, Victor, when we get to that, is like basically like a spinoff of this. <laughs> it's like an offshoot because it's the same high schools that, you know, just different generation, just a couple of years. I remember seeing this. uh I didn't see it in the theater, which is surprising because I love going to the movies. I love going to the movie theater. Um, I'm a movie geek, first and foremost. So uh, I didn't see this in the theater, but I did 
watch it at home. And I remember just crying and crying and crying and crying. And I think I cried when I rewatched it a couple days ago. Uh, and yes, it's very much a typical teen romance. It's a typical romantic comedy drama. But, you know, it's different just because it's a queer love story and you don't see a lot of those still. In I mean, I think it's changing a little bit, but you don't see, still don't see very many of those. Um, and so it was great for that. There are moments, of course, that, like you said, Bex, that are cringy. But then there are moments where you can tell that different generations are starting, that generations are different. Because in a lot of these movies, especially I watched this movie yesterday that was not, I didn't really like it that much, but it's called Crush or The Crush. And it's another queer love story, but it's with women um, in high school. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of that, you know, it's very, very much, you know, consent is very sexy and stuff like that. And you notice that a lot of that is changing in here. So there was a little bit of that in here, but even more so in more things that are coming out. But there's still the cringe moments of that public declaration of love, which can be very cringy because it can come off as very romantic. But there are certain aspects of it that sometimes can be a little bit icky. Were you going to say something? Sorry. <laughs> No, that's why I'm glad I didn't like go to high school in the era of promposals. Like they just every time I see something like that, I'm like, no, no, don't do this, please. Because if that person isn't expecting you to do something like it's it, public wedding proposals. Oh, yeah. Public proposals. wedding proposals. No. Unless you have already had a conversation with this other person and there's sort of like an expectation that it's going, you know, then it's okay. But if someone had done that for me and I didn't reciprocate, like the pressure that you feel. And I will say in that scene, when Martin does his whole declaration uh, for Abby and she says, no, the one thing I did appreciate was that he accepted it and like stopped pursuing her after that. So I did give the film credit for for that aspect of it but yeah it was it was cringy while it was happening (laughs) yeah no that's a very good very good point because usually like you know if you look back at stuff like even like even say anything that i love say anything and i will let it go but at the same time when you look at it when you look at what lloyd dobler does with standing out there with the boom box we as an audience know that she didn't want to break up with him but he doesn't know that so him doing that is really kind of awful (laughs) So it's that same kind of thing where it seems on the surface romantic, but there's some really cringy stuff behind it. And yeah, public wedding proposals. If anyone proposed to me that way, I would be so angry. First off, you wouldn't know me very well because you should know I would not want that. Because it's very putting someone on the spot. And you don't know if they're going to say yes because they want to just not, they want to get out of that moment or if they really mean yes. So I think it's just, it's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Really agreed. <laughs> well, let's talk about the main character, Simon, played by Nick Robinson, um, who looks so different now. It's so funny how his longer hair makes him look like a completely different person. It's so funny. But yeah. what are your thoughts overall on the character of Simon and, and his journey through the film? I mean, he is your typical oblivious teen who makes stupid mistakes and who, like, thinks he has good intentions at many points, but is also, you know, because of his own fears, ends up hurting people, like the lack of communication. You know, he was, like, the whole thing with all of his friends was really terrible, where he's like, oh, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, he's being blackmailed by this this kid, and 
and that's that is its own like that's a whole other thing but to drag his friends in on that and say like look i tried to help you but like trying to help them and like intentionally separating two of his friends who clearly were interested in getting together that's it just he was so terrible to them in that and like i don't blame them for needing to take time away from him and for everyone to be able to process for you know i am glad they came back together and they they made up and and all of that but yeah i think that was the hardest thing for me because like i really wanted to sympathize with him and what he was going through but that aspect of it was kind of like oh but also you're not helping your cause here right um his obliviousness with leah not knowing that she is into him and thinking that it's their other friend uh, nick i think it was mm-hmm. nick yes um that that she was into and and so that one was him just being oblivious and not there was no like maliciousness behind that but um yeah i i was like okay yep dumb kid but it's all right um and also there's a lot of privilege with with simon just even from the very beginning when he starts out saying like i'm just like you like my dad was the quarterback and my mom was the valedictorian and we live in this giant house with i have a sister and i like her and like i'm like okay cool like not relatable to me first i mean i like my sisters but don't get me wrong (laughs) but the whole like you know saying you're just like me i i get where that was coming from he's trying to say you know i'm just an average kid above average cis white male (laughs) but um so he did have a lot of privilege going on that i don't think he he recognized but i think it's still an important story to tell like that perspective needs to be told as well so Um, Yeah, I mean, I liked him. I liked him enough, but he definitely, he was flawed. And I appreciate, I appreciate a flawed character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very much that, um, you know, it's very much, there are, you know, I think some, and we talked about this when we talked about the normal heart. And I mean, granted, that was the 80s, it was even harder to come out. But we talked about it during that. And I think, and there's a lot of that with, with Love, Victor as well, where um, depending on your, your station in life, And if you're, especially if you're white and if you're coming, I mean, he has two parents that are so incredibly accepting and open, especially his mom on the surface seems more so, although I don't think that's true. I think they're both exactly the same. And so he's very lucky in that respect. And he's got, you think he's probably got money. I mean, their house looks like he's got a lot of money. He's so he's got, they're not poor. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say it wouldn't be hard for him to come out because it is hard for anyone to come out. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying that I think his, he doesn't realize and they don't really deal with that at all really in the movie, but he doesn't really realize that his station in life and that the fact that he's a white male with a very open and accepting family, including his sister and that he looks like he comes from privilege makes it easier in some respects for him to come out and to be out and open. Um, and also he appears to have really supportive friends. The only, the reason they get angry at him is not because he's gay, but because he was lying to them and using them and manipulating them because he was being blackmailed into that. I do want to say, though, that there is a 
part of me that understands, I mean, that's that's very, it's disgusting, first off, that he was being blackmailed, that his sexuality was being used like that is absolutely despicable. And so even though what he did was not right, I'm not justifying that using his friends that way and manipulating them was not okay. But at the same time, I can kind of see it because he's put in this place where he's being threatened and then the way his sexuality is revealed is so awful and that that was taken no one should ever ever out someone because that's not your place ever to do that ever it's up to that person they have to that's their journey and they have to discover how they have to find the way they want to come out so that's horrible Mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm glad they addressed that too. Like Simon actually said yeah. that to Martin at one point in the film. It's like you took that away from me, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, 100 percent agree. Like I understand why he felt sort of against a wall and in, into doing this, you know. And he's supposed to be like a 17 year old kid or something, right? Yeah. He's something right around that age. So not always going to make the best decisions of course and and like you said i do appreciate too that his friends weren't upset about him being yeah. gay or even about not telling them that he was gay but about them and how he used them yeah and especially when you have friends who are really in love with each other secretly and haven't said i mean it's it's that kind of thing and and manipulating that and then with with leah and having you know I've been in that. I've been her before. <laughs> I know what that feels like. And it is a hard place to be in. But I've been in it before where, you know, like, you can't help it. You, you know, you the heart's going to do what the heart's going to do and never acting in it or anything, but having like major crushes on gay men that have been in my life. And so I know what it's like to be in that position, be, you know. And I do think that's just totally him being oblivious and him being like, well, we've been best friends since we were little kids. So how in the world is she going to have a crush on me? I don't know what that, that's not me. She doesn't like me. So it's just that obliviousness and that young, like not knowing. There are a lot of people that don't know when people have, I'm, I'm one of those that I can be very oblivious to that stuff. And I know a lot of people that are oblivious to that where you don't see that. So that, mm-hmm. I don't blame him for that. I don't. You know, I'm sure for her, I think that was like a crushing blow of just like I've been, this is my first love. And yeah, so I I felt for her. But yeah, yeah. But there is a lot of privilege in where Simon and I'm and once again, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be hard for him to still come out because it is hard for him to still come out. And, you know, we'll get to that in a second when we talk about his family. Um, but speaking of those friends, I want to talk about the friends and I want to make sure I get some of the actors here. So we've talked about Leah, who's played by Catherine Langford, who up until this time was probably best known for being in 13 and probably still is for being in um, that Netflix show that someday we will tackle. It will be a very hard conversation, but I do feel it's important to talk about this show because I really have issues with it. 13 reasons why. So at uh, some point we will talk about it. Not yet. Um, and then, of course, you've got Nick, played by um, Jorge Lindeborg Jr. I apologize. I'm probably mispronouncing that, so I apologize. And then you've got Abby Alexandra Ship, who is the one that um, that Simon, I almost said Nick, that Simon is trying to set up with Martin, played by Logan Miller, um, who loves her and she just does not like him. And he's this very 
typical little theater theater guy kind of. Um, and actually, it's Nick that loves Abby. And Abby feels the same way. And it's pretty dang obvious from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> when when Nick knows Abby's coffee order by heart, it's one of those little things they put in there. He's like, nope, she needs milk with her iced coffee. And so it's very obvious from the get-go. It's not hard to remember milk. <laughs> <laughs> but the way he does it, it's, it's mm-hmm. I mean, it's typical trope. It's like a trope, but still. It totally. It's, it's totally. adorable. And I really, I, I think, I like all his friends. So what are your, I mean, Martin, I have major issues with, but... What are your thoughts on his friends, Simon's friends? I loved his friends. Like, I wouldn't necessarily consider yeah, Martin true. his friend. But um, but he is in that. And I did have a note on that. And it was just minor that, like, he was kind of giving me Richard Spate Jr. vibes. <laughs> like, he had, like, a look to him that, like, uh, as a young Richard Spate. That's I don't know. interesting. That's, no, that's I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved that. Abby was the first person that Simon told that he was gay. And, you know, he says this later in the film, but when I was watching it immediately, I was like, oh, it's because she's the least, the least risky to tell. Like, if he loses that friendship, which, you know, he's not very likely to, and I think he feels safe with her, but that's not 13 years of his life that he has like invested in that friendship and and he's more afraid to to open up to his other friends because he doesn't want something to change he doesn't have that long established history with Abby so if things change it could just be part of what would naturally change Mm -hmm. right um you know she was vulnerable with him and so he felt comfortable being vulnerable with her And I really think that says something cool about their friendship, that it doesn't have to be a long-term friendship to be such a deep friendship. And, and, you know, they did theater together and they, you know, they had different interests. Uh, So I think she was probably my favorite friend, Uh, maybe just like with Simon, like that dynamic. Leah, absolute sweetheart, you know, oblivious as well like i mean but no one picked up on this right like i I remember abby saying like well i'm not surprised but i didn't know Mm -hmm. like and and those two things don't have to be exclusive of one another and i think that for leah she kind of maybe felt like oh i've known you for so long but i don't really know you and and that can be painful and and was just part of her processing right like she had to process through that but I just, I love that they have this whole dynamic. They're going to school. They're like, oh, I'm going to pick you up in my car and pick up the next person and pick up the, I mean, you're looking at someone who took the bus through senior year. So I don't, <laughs> like, I can't relate to that friend picking me up and bringing me to school thing. But I liked that dynamic that 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 they all had together. And I I do think they were right to, as I mentioned, walk away from him for a bit. But I do appreciate that they came back and they actually worked through some of that. I mean, I guess I'm assuming that they worked through it rather than just forgiving him. But like, it's a film. We're not going to get all those details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 Well, I was that because I went to high school, like I mentioned before, I went to a different, an alternative high school for my last three years of high school. First year was in public school and went to a school that's in Boulder. I lived in Denver. So it was like a 45 minute drive every day or bus ride. It was first bus. And then when I was driving, 
I was that friend that we had another friend. My sister went to the same high school. So when my sister went there, we'd commute. I'd pick up the other Denver friend and drive him out there. So I was that friend <laughs> nice. that did that. So I could relate to, to that part. Um, you know, it's, it's hard because sometimes when I watch high school movies, because I was very lucky that I was able to go to this school, I was very blessed to be able to go to that school. And so some of, but some of those normal high school things like pep rallies, we didn't have that. Um, we didn't have a football team. We didn't have a basketball team. We had, we had a band, <laughs> but we didn't have a lot of those things. So it's very, very different, you know, and we had very, like we called our teachers by their first names and we had couches in in the you know in the classes and we had we had a class um called group so it's basically therapy <laughs> so we had i mean we it was a very different kind of school all right um i mean i i love it it was it didn't prepare you very well for college to be honest um but it was a great school so, so a lot of this stuff i can't relate to sometimes when i watch these but i can relate to that that core group of having that group of of friends and when you're lucky enough to have that. And I think his friends were really good, 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 good friends and a good group of people. And I think for someone who's struggling with their sexuality, with their identity, he was very, that's another lucky thing he had was he was very lucky to have this group of friends that already were very open-minded and kind of, I mean, they don't really expressly say it, but kind of like, different unique kids in school i mean they all had friends though they didn't seem to be any kind of outcasts but right but still they were like unique and different and very open and i mean the fact that you know i mean even still today some people might think it's weird that a guy and a girl are best friends i don't know why people think that's weird but some people do so even that was you know more open so I think mm-hmm. they, they are they're a great group. And I love <laughs> I love the scene <laughs> in here when Simon's talking about, you know, like straight people don't have to come out as straight and they have the montage where all his friends are coming out as straight. It's one of the best scenes. <laughs> I love it too, yes. So, but it's true. Like and <laughs> yeah, I mean I know he says later on in the film, like I was just sort of using that as an excuse, but it's a good one i think that's a good reason like everyone should have to come out as whatever they are or you know what's better no one needs to and just let it happen and whatever happens is okay and good and like yeah but But i i think it was great to flip that on its head even if it was sort of for just like a, a quick montage scene yeah and it was i mean and it was just really well done i mean they have a lot of like i also love um the montage where you know, after Simon has said, when I get to college, I am going to be very open. And they have the whole musical montage where they're doing the dance. And he's like, never mind, I'm not going to be that open. But it it was just cute. They do a lot of little things in here like that that I like. Uh, but yeah, his friends and all the performances, I want to say, are really good, too, from everybody in this movie. Uh, so I thought his friends were a great group for him to have and a great support system for each other, too. Um, you know, I mean, that makes a difference too, that they are there for each other after this has happened with Simon and they don't splinter off or they don't, you know, not even talk to each other. And then they come together as a group at the end when we'll get to the Ferris wheel scene, but at that scene and, and, you know, they come together to start that first step of forgiving Simon, 
mm-hmm. and then coming to terms with that. And, and yeah, and I, and, um, and I love the scene, um, with Leah when she does tell Simon, you know, I'm the one who, it was you I was over, not, not Nick. And, you know, that she has, she said, I have to come to terms with the version of you that I had in my head. And then the real, you are this other part of you. And I thought that was a really good and interesting scene. And, um, and it was never a thing of like, where she's saying, well, I don't accept your sexuality. It's more, it's a death of potential for her. It's a death of, for her of like, this is who I thought you were in my life. And this is the role I thought you were going to play. And I always had this hope of something more. And so it's her trying to come to terms with that and talking about that with him. And I liked his response in that scene too. I think that's a really, really good scene. So yeah. Communication people. That's key. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't have it, which you can't have in a lot of movies, because a lot of things will not happen if you have great communication. <laughs> I'm I'm calling my Meg is <laughs> that's that's I know Meg says that a lot. So <laughs> but it's true. It's because if you communicated everything accurately in a movie or TV show everything would get resolved. I know it's frustrating, but everything would get resolved in about two seconds. <laughs> and you wouldn't have mm-hmm. the conflict. Here's the plot. We need some eggs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love eggs. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, so let's get to Simon's family. Emily is his mom, played by Jennifer Garner. And then Jack is his dad, played by Josh Dumel. And then his little sister, who is absolutely obsessed with with cooking and cooking shows and making stuff and has a great relationship with his older brother. What was her name? I can't remember her name. Can you remember her name now? Nora. Yes, it was Nora. Thank you. By Played by Talitha Elena Bateman. So what are your overall thoughts on Simon's family and, of course, and how they uh, react to Simon coming out? First off, I just want to say that his dad is hot AF. I love oh, Josh Dumel. I yes, I have a little. I, I've loved him since I, I used to watch all my children, and he was on all my children for years. And he played I, one I of don't my favorite know what I've seen him in. I looked him up on IMDb while I was watching it, but I was like, mm, yeah, you can get it. <laughs> He's got like a similar haircut as my husband, and so I think that's like whenever I see that with like the dark hair, I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. And he's aging I, very nicely. I like yes. the gray in his hair. Well, that's it too. It's funny. Like I'm like. When did I become into the dads on these shows? <laughs> like, I know it's natural. I am 41, but like, yep, I definitely trans- transitioned out of being into the main character and more into the dad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that aside, um, I think that they're intentionally too perfect. Like, they're, they do everything right. Everything is like, oh, you know, we have all these family videos. We have, the, you know, with the privilege that, that it comes with, that the point of them being so perfect is that he still struggles, that you can have all those ducks in a row and it doesn't matter. It still can be very difficult to come out. 
And I think for me, the biggest thing was with his dad. Just little comment. He just assumed. I think that was the biggest issue is he assumed what that he was straight. Like that was the default, the heterosexual default. And that's something very little that people don't necessarily pick up on when they're doing but if you're the one receiving that and questioning if you can or should or are able to come out to your family that could be one of those things we go oh they're not accepting they're not they're not going to be okay with this um I, I don't know i don't think you've had a chance to watch it yet i don't know heartstopper no i have okay but there's a similar thing with one of the characters and his mother in there where she just assumes that when they're watching a movie he's crushing on Karen Knightley's character, you know, and, and so on, just those little things that, that sort of, I don't know, to me, it just showed that it doesn't matter all the things you have lined up, you can still struggle with this idea of being open to your family about your sexuality. Um, and, and so, yeah, they were, they were great, this great little like white suburban family that had everything and, and like, the parents didn't have issues with one another. They didn't fight. They didn't bicker. He comes home drunk from a party and they're like, mm, okay, what do we do about this? Well, he didn't drive. He, he made a smart choice. He came home. Like, you know, he made a dumb choice to drink, but he made a smart choice to not drive and to come home. And, to... and so we're okay with that. You know, like they do all of those things right, quote unquote, but he still struggles. And I think that's important to show. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I and I will say, <laughs> of things I can relate to, I can relate a lot to growing up with as as far as with the mom, not necessarily the dad, but with a mom being my mom is very very open and always has been very open and very accepting. I mean, like I've mentioned it before on here that she became a surrogate mother to a lot of my friends uh, that were not treated well by their parents, and I grew up with knowing, you know, like in my heart and that this is the one difference I knew that if I ever came out that my mom would definitely accept me. I didn't believe that. I wouldn't believe that for my dad, but from my mom, I definitely would know that because of the fact that I grew up with a lot of people in the LGBTQIA plus community that were her friends and a lot of like little things that she would do that she she would say or do or the fact that she would accept my friends that were in the LGBTQIA plus community very openly and never said anything off or weird or homophobic or transphobic or anything like that when I was growing up. So I was very blessed that way that, that I knew that, you know, I have friends that grew up in some, some friends, not very many, but some friends that did grow up in similar households and, and have told me that their, their coming out experience was a little bit different because they knew that they were going to be accepted. And so it was kind of like just this nonchalant thing. But I think even when you grow up in, in, in an environment like that, if you have anything else, like what the dad is saying and doesn't realize, and then, like you said, the assumptions that he is straight, that assumption there, I mean, the mom she says after he's come out, she says, I knew that there was something different about you. I knew you were struggling with something, but I didn't know what it was. And I wish I had come to you and asked you. And I think that's that's the biggest takeaway that she learns because she's a psychologist or therapist. And 
And so I think part of her was like, well, I should have known this. And, but I think, I think, you know, even though it's, I think a lot of parents can learn something that if you're already, even though you're just really open, it doesn't mean you're not making mistakes that you don't realize you're making. Mm -hmm. Um, And the assumptions and the, you know, saying certain little remarks when you're watching something, which were really off-putting watching it and, and hearing those things being uttered or laughing at certain things that you might, you probably shouldn't be laughing at. And because those send little, you know, signals that, oh, wait, you're open, but you're not that open. Oh, you're that, you're accepting, but you're not that accepting. And then when he does come out, the reactions from the parents are different. And I mean, they both accept him. It's not that they don't both accept him, but his dad doesn't really necessarily do the right thing. But I don't, you know, I, I don't know if there's always the right, right, right thing in that moment, but he doesn't, he kind of gets up and kind of doesn't want to talk about it. And then later when they have that moment together and that talk, that's probably my favorite scene, honestly, in the whole entire movie, the scene between him and his dad, because I want more men to watch that and see how he handles that. Because I thought that was really a beautiful scene. And Josh Duhamel's character is also in love. Victor has a scene in love Victor too. And I just, it was such a beautiful, beautiful scene because he just really, he was hurting because he didn't want his son to think he no longer loved him in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great, lovely scene. And I was really happy to see that. And I think it's important to see more of those scenes where it's not all about pain, where it's not all about rejection where it's not all about, or you're going to come out and everyone's going to turn against you. And I think that's another important aspect of this film, I want to say, is that acceptance. And there weren't, there were kids in the school that weren't accepting, of course. But I thought that was very, 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 very important to see. And I appreciated that so much because, I don't know, it's sadly, it's very rare. Sadly, it's more acceptable to have trauma. Yeah. Even more. That's what I was saying. Like, we need to see the positive reactions as well. Mm -hmm. And I love that scene as well because I think it was also a great uh, acknowledgement of, like, the lack of toxic masculinity in that moment as well, right? His father was vulnerable. He cried. You know, they had a hug. It was very heartwarming scene. Um, but it also says like, hey, you know, sometimes people process things differently and it might take them time to figure out how to articulate mm-hmm. what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Like, I never got the impression that the father rejected him, but yeah. just that walking away in that moment in the Christmas scene was like, we don't know. We we don't know where he stands. And Simon was so vulnerable that now he's like, well, can I say anything more? Can I like do I want to open up this can of worms or not? Like, you know, and so I'm glad that the dad took those steps himself and, and initiated that, that conversation that they had by the garage. Yeah. And, and he, cause his, cause his dad walking away, even though his dad wasn't rejecting him for Simon, that was rejecting him. That was a form of rejection. So that's why it was so mm-hmm. important to have that. other And, and in general, the dad in this is very much not, toxic masculinity i mean the whole part where simon is helping him put together this anniversary present for his wife which i have to say the first thing he had together set to um 
I can't remember the song now because I was like, oh, I actually like this song. And then I went, oh, yeah, I'm the dad's generation. That's right. <laughs> um, but I actually kind of liked that. I want to say I understand why Simon said let's change this, but I didn't think it was that bad. I think it it spoke very much to like that that homemade vibe, right? Like yeah, a dad who like, like, kind of new technology. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. But but anyway, but he was never really never came off as toxic. Um, same thing with like, I mean, his parents were very, they were like, let's watch the affair together, which has all this sex in it. Because I mean, you know, we have to be open about sexuality, I, you know, and, and sometimes I think when parents like this are, are in a film, they're portrayed to such a really far, far more liberal than maybe those parents really would be in real life. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but I mean, my mom was very open-minded, but we weren't going to sit around and watch something like that together. It's that's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. 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 And she would not have wanted to. It's not like my mom would have wanted to. So, yeah, that was yeah. that. So, I think sometimes it's like I know a lot of people like the parents in the movie Easy A. I do not like the parents at all in Easy A because to me they're a caricature and they're not real at all. And they're just a little bit too like I oh I rolled my eyes the whole time I watched it. And I know most people love those parents. Those parents are so it's not the actors, because I love the actors, but the parents are just uh cringeworthy to me because it's just kind of like you can <laughs> I, I don't know, you can portray those parents without having them have to go so far open that it stops losing believability i'm not maybe there are i mean i'm sure there this, this one was kind of on the edge of it too, yes right? that's what like i mean you're, yeah you're saying like okay yes but what like again that goes back to the i'm just like you i'm like no my parents were definitely not like that <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah and i wanted to briefly mention we didn't mention before i wanted to mention briefly the character ethan played by Clark Moore, and that is the other, I mean, there are definitely other people in in the community, but that's the other out person that you know of. And, you know, I think when, when Simon is outed and they're in, they're sitting in the principal's office because those horrible bully people were coming after both of them, and they have that interesting conversation where Simon basically, and this this is the only time where it kind of speaks to that privilege in a way, because Simon is just like, well, it had to be easier for you because you present, you know, as quote unquote present as you are definitely gay. You're flamboyant. So you're definitely, so it must have been easier for you. And him basically mm-hmm. talking about how, no, <laughs> it's, he, you know, and talking about his, how his mom still basically pretends that he's not. And that yeah. kind of stuff. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on Ethan because that was important you mentioned him. Uh, yeah, I I do think he was a great counter to Simon in that sense. Like, yes, he was out and he came out on his own terms, which is something he was able to do that Simon wasn't able to do. But all of these other factors that the you know Simon saying that like um, what do you say? It, it wasn't like this when only you were out, and he's like. Well, it wasn't like that for you because yeah. you are now, but you, you and I aren't like besties. You don't really know what I was going through and the things I had to suffer with and deal with. Like, yeah, I was still being bullied and I was still being harassed. And, and like you said, the thing with the mother. So I really appreciated having him in there as a counter character to Simon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also just want to note too, that 
Um, he is black as well, and you don't see still to this day. You don't see a as much representation of black queer characters. That is starting to change, but you still mm-hmm. don't see as much. Of it. So I do think it's important that too, because then you see representation of not just white gay men. You see other other people that are queer um, in in the community as well. So I think that that was also important with that character. Yeah, well, uh, and I and, do think that was kind of fun with um. Oh my gosh, his name is escaping me. The love interest, Bram, Bram, that Bram. we're gonna get to him to say, yeah, yeah, um, just because he's he's black, mm-hmm. he maybe is biracial. I don't know. We don't see his parents. I don't think. No, I don't. It's the it's okay. He talks no, he's him. not in that scene. I was thinking about that scene where everyone comes out as straight and and they show the parents. No, he wasn't in that. Obviously, for obvious reasons, <laughs> but he's black and Jewish. And gay and he like makes a point of it like yeah you know i've got the the trifecta here or whatever and and so we don't get a lot of his character in terms of development and conversation there but i did like that they they sort of pulled that all in as well yeah yeah so let's let's talk about that because that is the mystery is who is blue and throughout simon imagines different characters different people being blue and and you see little moments where they 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 will be uh, narrating the letters that he's receiving and reading, where you see him in scenes and narrating them. And he does the for one of the first people he thinks is blue is Bram, and then he thinks a couple other people, and then the you know the big climactic scene in the movie, a very romantic scene, is he says I'm going <laughs> to be on the Ferris wheel because that was important because that was a callback to one of the letters that feeling like you're on a Ferris wheel and you're on. And he said, I'll be waiting there and you show up and then time, you know, all these people are gathered from the school. They're all excited and doesn't show up, doesn't show up, doesn't show up. And then at the last minute he shows up and it's revealed that it's Bram. And he asks him, asks Simon, are you disappointed? It was me. No. And then they kiss a couple of times on the Ferris wheel. Very cute, sweet. (laughs) It's revealed. So, so cringy for me. (laughs) Oh, really? I love it. And I, I mean. Yeah. So and then of course it's revealed in Love Victor that they're still together. So, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I did like that. I did I did appreciate that. Yeah, I just am one of those people who definitely suffers from like secondhand embarrassment and watching him go around and around on the Ferris wheel with no one showing up with like everyone standing there and watching him. I'm like, oh no. Like obviously they're gonna have someone like I it's supposed to be a romantic comedy. They're going to have that happily ever after. And it's not the same kind of public declaration as Martin's, who was calling out the individual right there. But it was a public declaration of this is what I am going to do. You are invited, but I'm not going to put you on the spot. You know, I'm putting myself out there, but I'm not going to, you know, try and force you into anything i just want to let you know what i'm doing so i did like that it just like watching everybody stand around in a circle as he goes around and around by himself <laughs> i'm just like mm, mm. i don't know because it's like well no pressure for this other kid like because obviously they had some sort of romantic connection through their letters and everything and then he's like, oh, you're going to put yourself out there? And now I, I feel bad that you're, like, out there. Do I, I do I come? Do I not? And he even says, like, I didn't even know, like, up until I walked up here that I was actually going to be able to go through with it. So, um, you know, 
everybody cheering for their kiss when they're on the top of the ferris wheel it's like it's cute and it's kind of cheesy and everything but like if it was real life i mean not that this would be real life but you know if if i were there i would just be like oh i hope something good happens please let it be good (laughs) and sit there worried no, I totally, no, I get that. Yeah. I mean, but it, yeah. And I do like that it is different than the public declarations because he doesn't know who this is and he's not publicly outing them. He's not publicly saying it's so-and-so he's more, you know, because if he had done that, then he'd basically be doing the exact same thing that was done to him. And it would have been gross and disgusting, right. but I think but it works because he's leaving it up to that person And that person could say, no, I'm not going to do this because I don't feel comfortable with it or I am. I mean, you could still argue that, you know, Bram, who was still known as Blue at that time, did say to him, you know, after he had been outed, did say, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't keep talking to you after that. I can't have anything to do with you anymore because he was scared. So you could say if you did look at delve deep into it, that it was kind of iffy to do that publicly but i think at the same time he was leaving it up to him so much and i do understand that that i mean i remember when i first watched this there was actually a part of me even though i've watched so many romantic comedies but there was a part of me that went wait is someone actually not going to show up (laughs) and the whole i have to say the whole time i was watching this i was rooting for it to be bram from the very get-go and then when he saw Bram kissing someone at a party, so that's when he stopped believing it was Bram, I actually was I was like, oh, it's not him. I actually was like thinking the same way. I'm like, oh, that's really sad. So they're just going to keep going through. And I was like really disappointed. So I was very excited at the end when it turned out to be him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, he was definitely my top pick. And I knew they weren't going to make it be someone we didn't know. Yeah. But I liked how they did that. It was like, oh, Bram narrates all the letters until he sees him with a girl. And then um, I forget his name, but the guy from the Waffle House yeah. there is narrating it the next chunk of it until he says, hey, what's Abby's deal? I'm into Abby. And he's like, oh, OK, well, it's not her or it's not him. And then the next bit is the the other kid from the theater group, yeah. I think. Yeah. And when he stops thinking about it being him is when he actually goes up and asks him to his face. He's like, Hey, was it you? Mm -hmm. And, and the sincerity with which that kid answers, no, without being disgusted, without being like, how dare you think that, you know, um, we don't know that kid's sexuality at all. That's not addressed. I love the way that that was dealt with that. It was like, no, it's, it's not me. Like, sorry, Mm -hmm. but and then at that point, he's like, well, I don't know who else it could be, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I appreciated that, too, because once again, it's nice to see another instance where it's not trauma and where it's not like, you know, gay panic, that kind of no thing. No bullying in that scene, you know, like, yeah, there's bullies in the movie, but it's not these kids that he's actually like spending time with and interacting with mm-hmm. on a regular basis, like like that last kid yeah it's not majority bullies and then a couple people that aren't bullies which is just very very nice and refreshing to see Mm -hmm. Um, yeah this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Okay, we're going to move on now to Love, Victor. So let me just get to the description for this. Once again, all these descriptions come from IMDb, so I apologize if they are very... <laughs> IMDb, I love IMDb, I do. But their descriptions sometimes leave a lot. I mean, you can submit different ones. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but you can add... I didn't yeah, know. you can add plots and submit them. Um, so sometimes you'll look at one plot description and you look down and there's like a plot description that's like a page long. I'm never going to read that, but... Um, so Victor is a new student at Creekwood High School, which was the same high school Simon went to, on his own journey of self-discovery, facing challenges at home, adjusting to a new city, city, and struggling with his sexual orientation. And he is reaching out and talking to Simon. So Simon is involved in this. Um, the actor who played Simon is also a producer of this. I do want to say that. And Victor is played by Michael Simino. Victor be friends and uh, his neighbor who I adore with all my heart and soul Felix played by Anthony Turpel who is probably spoiler my favorite character in this whole show I do want to say um he really is I just want to like hug him I'm a I'm a sucker for a sidekick in anything and he is kind of that sidekick character he gives me those vibes and so I just want to protect him <laughs> and he's also you learn a lot more about him too Yes. And his yes. struggles with his mom and his family. And then uh, Rachel Hilson, who is a fantastic actress. And This Is Us just recently wrapped up. And people who watch This Is Us might have known her from that. But she played young Beth Pearson. Um, and she plays Mia Brooks, who is the girl that's, that Victor starts dating when he first moves there. Because he's still struggling with his sexuality. And then there's B.B. Wood, who plays Lake Merriweather, who... Felix and Lake do date a little bit too. And she is Mia's friend. And she's also the daughter of our lovely Leslie Grossman. American Horror Story fans out there know Leslie Grossman. I love Leslie Grossman, who plays her mom, who is a successful news anchor and is really not always the best mother, although she does some amazing things. Uh, a one or two degrees of separation there. I didn't do that one, but like. <laughs> I'm like, I'm spoiling the. I'm spoiling the six degrees. That's like the one of the easiest ways. There's another <laughs> one too in here that's American Horror Story related too. I uh, got Mason Gooding who plays Andrew, who is also on the basketball team. That I also want to mention the, that Victor ends up joining as well. And this, I end up really loving this character. And then um, you've got Victor's sister, uh, played by Isabella Ferreira. Pilar is the sister, and I apologize again for the name. I'm so bad at this stuff. Um, and then you also have his youngest brother, Mateo Fernand, played by Mateo Fernandez, Adrian Salazar. Um, and we'll get to the parents separately. So actually, I probably shouldn't have gone through all those okay. names yet, but I already have. And then you have uh, Benjamin Benji Campbell, who is the main love interest at first for Victor, played by George Sear. And then you have his other love interest. Um, oh, you've also got Mackay Pfeiffer. I want to point that out because this is someone that I grew up <laughs> like for my generation actors. Just want to point him out. Play Harold Brooks, who's Mia's father. Um, you also oh, right. have the amazing Sophia Bush, <laughs> who's playing Mia's father's love interest. Um, and then you have um, Anthony Kivan, who plays Rahim. 
who is also struggling with his sexuality and struggling with coming out and and in se- he's in season two and this is after Victor does come out um and he is uh, he is Muslim so I also just want to bring that because that's having a Muslim queer character in a show is incredible i just want to say that yeah and he's also amazing i i love that character too and there are a bunch of other characters in here as well but we'll just start with those so what are your overall thoughts on the show and the other characters because we'll get to victor here in just a second but i adored this show like i sat down to watch it and i was like i am in love with everything about this show i mean yes it has its issues and we'll talk about some of that throughout but I loved that they set it in the same school because it put it in that same universe. It allowed them to connect it to Simon and Simon's experiences, but showing that it's a new kid, a different kind of experience with coming out that even in the same town, even in the future where it's a little more supposedly a little more progressive, a little more accepting, et cetera, that there are still different struggles that everyone faces if they feel that they want to or need to come out uh i love the cameos right you mentioned them Mm -hmm. before that that they have because that really links the the two stories together you know it's it's its own story it doesn't need the love simon characters but i think that helps strengthen it and and it shows again i keep going back to this idea of like showing the different stories that can exist that it's not one way to do it it's not love simon with a latino character mm-hmm. right it's love victor it's its own story and and that's really important you know i mentioned it in the first part where we were talking about simon that's sort of the best possible scenario that you can have your parents accept you oh maybe there's a little bit of i don't know for a day or two i don't know maybe it was a week it wasn't very long mm-hmm. before his father talked to him and talked it out you know all of his friends right off the bat were were all good with it once like they were good with his sexuality i mean like obviously what simon did with that that was a whole thing but victor faces a different set of challenges and and that's to me what really stood out about the show is like hey you know maybe love simon's story was a little too like sunshine and rainbows present with a little perfect bow on top here's another one and and it just shows another another way i think yeah that felix love felix love felix so much um and i love his sister i think the the relationship the brother and sister relationship that they have is really key and um even his relationship with Mia and that sort of, you know, we have a touch of that in Love, Simon, where the girl that he dated before comes up is like, did you date me because I look like a guy? No, I dated, I dumped you because you didn't, <laughs> right? And But here we actually see that relationship come together and like him trying to work through this and her reaction to it. So there's a lot more development there. Lake was one of those characters that I was like, eh. But then they develop her. They develop her character. You get to know more about her and you sympathize with her and you understand where she's coming from. And and I very much grew to like her. The little brother, adorable. 
adorable. I'll talk about the parents later when we talk about the family specifically, but um, I think Victor has a good friend group. And what's really cool, and again, as a difference, is that he he's new. Mm-hmm. He is he is the Abby character in a sense where he comes into a, a school where these people are friends with one another, you know, um, or even if they're not, they like sort of create a new friend group among them. I am, I have different feelings about, um, what was his name again? The, the, which the boy, Benji, the, Benji I have uh, my feelings on Benji kind of go back and forth I don't know how I feel about Benji sometimes like I do sympathize with some of his concerns um, but he's probably the character I struggle with the most I would say but yeah I love the show (laughs) I love it too when I when I first watched it last year um, I watched it in a day or something. It was the first two seasons. It probably wasn't that quick, but it was pretty quick. (laughs) And this time when I rewatched it, I watched it in two days. Um, So just as quick. I mean, there are short episodes, very easy to get through. Um, And the characters draw you in and the story draws you in. And the fact that, you know, there are so many different things I appreciate about this show. First of all, um, there is a lot more representation in this. Um, there is a lot more dealing with, like when we were talking about with Love, Simon, that he does have privileges that he does in, isn't aware of, and they're dealing a lot with that in here. And especially when it comes to the character of Benji, who, yes, Benji has his struggles because, you know, he is an alcoholic. He's in recovery for that. Um, and that's how he dealt with when he was struggling with sexuality and coming out. Um, so you have that. You have the fact that, you know, he, he can't drive. So he's got his own personal shame around that. But he also doesn't realize how difficult it is for Victor to come out. And that's right. my biggest struggle with Benji is the way he treats Victor when it when it comes to that. And as Rahim says, and this he says, so he was being white. <laughs> he, he was being white. And that I mean, that's really I mean, you know, I I I can't speak to being on that that, that side into that experience. But I think that's a lot of what this show is trying to show is that there are different different ways mm-hmm. of coming out. I mean, for Rahim, with him struggling with the fact that, you know, he comes from a Muslim family that came to the United States to give a better life to their son. And I do love that when he talks about when he came out that his family already knew and they were waiting for him to come out and they were very accepting. I, oh, I loved that. That was beautiful right. and amazing. And I love that character a lot. But um, but all the characters overall, I think, are uh, come off as one thing. And then when you delve deeper into them, you see different layers and you get like Felix. When you first meet Felix, he's like that goofy sidekick. And then you realize a lot of that, a lot of that humor is a way for him to cover up the fact that he's dealing with a mother with bipolar disorder who isn't dealing with her disorder and then ends up dealing with it and then not dealing, you know, that kind of stuff. And so he's struggling with that, struggling to basically be an adult before he Mm -hmm. has a chance to be a kid. So I think that's where his humor comes from. And he's got shame around that. And his relationship with Pilar, I'm, I was so glad spoilers for spoiling this, by the way, I was so glad when he chose her over Lake, I was so happy. (laughs) Because 
I thought they were so good together and then that friendship together. And I did grow to like Lake too. So it wasn't that I didn't like her. I just thought their relationship was better and it was a lot more friendship there and a lot more he knew. He knew in the end why he chose her. And I and I and love I just love him. I think and the way he is with Victor when Victor comes out to him is another another not toxic masculinity. He's just like, I love you. No, he doesn't have any qualms about hugging him. He doesn't have any qualms about being around him. It's never this fear of like, oh, you know. And Victor does deal with that with some of the members of the basketball team. But I loved that. And it just made me love Felix mm-hmm. even more. Because he was just like, yeah. no, I'm still your friend. <laughs> I'm not going to. He's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not. So, like, I'm not. There was that friendship was never questioned. There was no doubt for Felix that they were still going to be friends and that they would continue their relationship the way it was Mm -hmm. because you can be friends with like, like you were saying before, like you can be friends with a girl, like a guy and a girl can be friends, but so can two guys. If one of them is queer, the other one is not like Mm -hmm. that's allowed too. (laughs) And you can still have that intimate relationship and it doesn't, I mean, you know, there's not that gay panic and I really, really appreciate that. And I think the character of Andrew is honestly the most interesting character in this show in a lot of respects because Andrew, when you first meet Andrew, he is so toxic masculinity, toxic jock guy, just all about, you know, fucking around basically and sleeping with as many women as he can. And he is secretly madly in love with Mia. <laughs> and as I said, we're spoiling everything. So they do end up getting back together. That that was who she lost her virginity to. and. Um, but I, I love that this character is like that, but he doesn't stay that way. And I like that he grows and changes and you see more mm-hmm. to him. So he doesn't become, cause when you first watch this, you think he's going to be the antagonist throughout this series. And I like that they changed that and he didn't stay that way. And I thought that was kind of essential. And he becomes a good friend of Victor's too. He's the one who mm-hmm. takes the basketball team, and the other players with the exception of, you know, the one that ended up leaving and it's like, no, we're going to support our teammate here because he's a good person. He's still the same person before we want him on the team. And we're going to put that fake pink hair dye in her hair. And I love that scene. And it was just so nice to see that and to see his character grow and that his character didn't say stagnant. And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing the show does really well. And I think it's also the benefit of having a television show is you can develop these characters more. Whereas if this was a movie, you might not have seen that until the very end. Um, yeah. And I love Mia. I feel for Mia. Mia's also dealing with the fact that her mom abandoned her and left her. And she lives with a father who's very driven and sometimes forgets his daughter. And she feels like he forgets, forgets her. It's like she has to be an adult, yes. too, just like Felix does. But they have very different circumstances behind what what pushes them into that like sort of early adulthood. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I like her a lot, too. But yeah, I do mm-hmm. struggle a lot with Benji. And it's it's interesting because when I first watched this show, I did not struggle with Benji as much as I did this time. And the scene in this that really makes me angry at Benji is um, so they've been dating and they have a they have an argument and they're making up at at Victor's apartment and Victor thinks his mom is gone and his parents have separated at this this point and 
they they have sex. They start to have sex in Victor's Victor's bed, and Victor's mom walks in on them, and she is struggling. We're gonna get with the parents. Get a, we're gonna talk about the parents in a second, and she's the one who's struggling the most with accepting Victor's sexuality, and she's very upset by seeing this. I argue she would have been upset no matter who he was with. I mean, it's a parent yeah. walking in on their kids having sex. I mean, you yeah. know, it's Agreed. like, you know, and the way Benji is in that scene speaks to his privilege and the fact that he has been out a lot longer and is so cold and the fact that he immediately attacks Victor's mom. I understand where he's coming from, that he has not been welcomed by Victor's mom at all. All this stuff. I understand that. But to put Victor in that position was so unkind and so uncaring. And he's mm-hmm. like that with Victor a lot. And it's very, it bothers me because he wants Victor to be out the way he's out. He wants Victor to deal with his sexuality the way he dealt with it. And they're two different people. He can't. His, his, yeah, his background, his experiences up to this point are so different. And in so many yes. ways, there's so many factors that play into it. And, and yeah, to put that pressure, it's like, okay, you don't want to date someone who's not out. That's fine. That's understandable. But then you can't be in this relationship because you can't push him into being out. You can't push him into like dealing with his parents in one way over a different way. You know? Um, yeah, that's, I think the same, same. That's part of why I, how I struggle with, with Benji as Mm -hmm. well. He just has all of that privilege. <laughs> yeah, and he's a very real character. Um, and he, sure. it is very, you know, it's very hard to watch him sometimes, especially the second time I watched him. It was a lot harder because of that. Because And Victor is out at that time. He is out. It's just more, you know, his parents haven't accepted it yet. And you have to let Victor be the one to deal with that. And the fact that he wasn't out yet to his younger brother and his younger brother happens to walk in and that's how his younger brother finds out is by Benji telling <laughs> telling his younger brother I'm his boyfriend and that was not his place to do that. And it, so it's just kind of, I don't know, he kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth sometimes. I like certain parts of him um, and I like their chemistry. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And, I, and I like how open this show is about sexuality and showing where it's not just like a peck on the cheek where they're very open about about that and and I really um you know well let's get to Victor now then we can and I can talk about what I was just gonna talk about. Um so what are your overall thoughts on Victor? I I adore Victor. Absolutely like right from the beginning I probably would have been the Mia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would just be like, oh but um one of the things that really stands out to me about Victor is his role as the oldest child in the family, right? That that older sibling feeling like you've got to like be a third parent in many cases, uh, that you have to do the right thing. You have to meet the expectations of your parents and so on. He really shows a lot of those pressures of like, I can't, I can't be open or I can't do this or I can't do the other thing because that would look bad. Like the whole thing about not telling his little brother. It's like, honestly, he's probably the one who'd be least confused by it. And he (laughs) is, you know, (laughs) exactly. But like his mom and that pressure from his mom, like he feels this need to, to sort of 
live up to those expectations, you know? Um, and, and that whole, there's like a whole thing with his parents and like specifically with his father and worrying about if the younger son is gay and he's like, what, five, six, seven, I don't know. He's a kid, right? Let him just be a kid. We don't have to think about his sexuality when he's, you know, a preteen or not even that sort of fuels again we talk about those little things and maybe it's not so little here but those things that parents say or do that make it even more difficult for someone to feel like they they can come out that that to me it was more explicit than the examples that we talked about with love simon and because there's a point in the movie simon says like he knows that his family would accept him but yeah. there's still something that's holding him back. Victor didn't have that luxury. He didn't have that confidence that his family, his parents would accept him. You know, I, I think if he maybe meditate on it a bit, he'd be like, okay, yeah, Pilar and, and his little brother, like they would whatever, but his parents, that's a whole, a whole other uh, factor to bring in. So I, he's, I don't want to say he's a new gay, but like he's newly out, right? So he is trying to explore all these different avenues and trying to figure out his own, his own shit. <laughs> and, and this is something like, again, you mentioned it, and this was something I was going to say a little bit later, but the television show format gives us the opportunity to develop him and his relationships with each of the different characters more so we see the ups and downs of victor we don't see him as perfect we also see him as flawed and um yeah i don't know i just like i always just i i want to protect him too <laughs> yeah i i love victor i really love victor a lot and I love uh, how he grows and the strength and courage he finds. And I love the scene um, and it's the end of season one when he comes out to his parents and it looks like he's probably already come out to his sister at that, at that point. And his parents are like, we've got big news. We're separating. That's what they say right before. And they're like, well, you were going to tell us something. And he's like, no, never mind. He starts to walk away. And then I love that he doesn't continue to walk away and that he does turn around and and say I'm gay and then he comes out and then you don't know the reactions until the next season of course um but I love their cliffhangers are like, they do very good <laughs> I didn't have to wait yeah. because <laughs> the second season had already been out but no but there's a cliffhanger at the end of season yes, two it's bigger still I think it's like, bigger who is there in some ways <laughs> but I I really did appreciate how he found his way to coming out and how loving and caring he is with everybody in his life. And yes, with Mia, I think that was very, very, very the way that she found out with having to see him kissing Benji and that being how she finds out that he's gay. That was, that was very sad and heartbreaking. And yes, she should have, come out to her sooner than that but in his mind he was trying to spare her some and trying to give her one last great moment when as, si as simon says there will never be that perfect moment where you can do this um and i love that he reaches out to simon and i love that he's he's kind of angry at simon and kind of in a way calls out simon's privilege of 
you made it seem so easy, easy and you've actually made it harder for me in some respects. And I like that. And I like that it wasn't like Victor came to this school and then because there were so many people accepting and Benji was already out and everybody was accepting of Benji. And I like the fact that they that didn't instantly lead to Victor being like, oh, okay, everything is just rosy. Because even though, like I said, I don't want everything to be just trauma, I think that was a little bit more realistic, um, especially with Victor's family and what he's dealing with and the fact that he knows they're, he doesn't know how they're going to react. And so he's struggling with that. And I like his relationship with Pilar because when it first starts, the show first starts, you think it's going to be that typical brother-sister combative relationship. And there is a little bit of that, but that goes away really quickly. It it seemed natural. It seemed it's organic. It seemed like siblings do argue, but they don't necessarily have to despise yes. each other, right? Like it was it was a good balance. I mean, it it definitely reminded me of many of my sibling relationships. <laughs> yeah, it's very typical sibling relationship, and and um and I I love how uh, one thing I really love about Victor is when he starts helping Raheem in the second season and becomes friends with him. Um, and then of course that leads to love <laughs> or does it? Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Although there is a kiss, uh, but you definitely know that Raheem is feeling something pretty quickly. Um, but I love how he is with that and how he is never pushy and, Never like you need to come out because I came and it's never like the Benji thing. It's very much he understands how difficult this is going to be. And I liked that a lot. And, and his other friendships as well. Like I said, I love his relationship with Felix. Um, and yeah, I think overall he's he's a great, great character and really sweet. And the performance is really good. Once again, in this show, just like with the movie, the performances are all really, really really good i think so yeah mm -hmm. um okay so let's talk about victor's family we've already talked about his brother and sister Pilar, which we can talk we'll, we'll talk about some more here but his parents are armando played by james armando salazar played by james martinez who was also the father in one day at a time that we discussed before on here very different father in this uh thank god and then anna ortiz plays the mother um, Isabel Salazar. So, and and what you also learn here is that they've moved here partly because what you learn is that Isabel had an affair and the kids find that out. <laughs> Pilar finds that out and it actually was the um, their father's boss that she had an affair with because she's a piano teacher and she was teaching his kid piano and then that's kind of how that happened and they were high school sweethearts so they've been together basically their first loves first everything this kind of thing they separate spoilers come back together again um so what are your thoughts overall on the family and how they react also to victor's sexuality uh well first of all i want to say that i love that because the father is the same father from one day at a time that he is not falling into that same role he is not like yeah he doesn't accept elena in one day at a time but with victor he's a lot quicker to come around and accepting it and all of that so i do appreciate that they're not sort of 
one typecasting him, but two showing that like no Latino father would accept. Like it's, it's no, every situation is going to be mm-hmm. different. Every family is going to be different. Um, and the mom is the one who struggles the most with this relationship change because she had a vision of who her son was and this changes that vision and she can't cope with it very well i like that they had her was it was it her that went to the no it was it was the father who went to the the group yeah and where he meets simon's (laughs) father Um, and, and so I like that they, they brought that in, that he was trying, that he was wanting to make that effort and trying to, to make that change. Um, and, and the mother turns more to religion and the church and, and looking there for answers. So you can see how like Victor's different upbringing is going to lead to different reactions with his parents you know, the whole move there and like them even trying to stay together and work. It's just like, Ooh, it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch. But the other thing that really stood out to me with the family is, you know, we talk about communication being key and all of that, um, is that there, there's a very intentional lack of communication with the children. And yeah, kids shouldn't know every little piece of drama that goes on with their parents like I don't think I would have wanted to know that about my parents that this is why we moved and all of that I get that but then there's the aspect of like you know don't tell your little brother that you're gay it's like don't tell your little brother that you you know have brown eyes (laughs) like it's something that it's so much a part of who Victor is that to ask him to hide that and to to keep that from his family it's a really painful thing to watch because he's like recloseted uh in that moment so uh, I I definitely see that as a I, I think it's an important thing to deal with and address again keep going back to that idea if you have to show different different stories there's not one gay story (laughs) i mean we know that but that's why setting these stories in the same universe and making them so different is important yeah his uh, i think his parents are very interesting to watch and i another thing that is good about this being a television show is and also a well-made television show is you get to actually see his parents developed um, which I really, really appreciated because they're not just the parents. You see their lives because they're struggling. Um, they're struggling with their re- with their relationship together, um, with the fact that she cheated. With who are they now? With are their whole lives? Should they explore something else? And you know, the dad even starts dating someone in his P flag group who. It's played by Julie Benz for all you Dexter fans out there. You all know her. Rita Morgan, who married Dexter. And, you know, we all know what happened to poor Rita. Uh, not murdered by Dexter. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw the look on Bex's face. Um. <laughs> oh, okay, that's where that went. No, I guess not. Okay, that's good. I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> but, you know, watching the two of them struggle with their own personal lives and giving them a personal life and giving them the fact that they're not just parents, although that's a lot of what their identity is wrapped up in. 
But they're also dealing with, you know, with Isabel, she's dealing also a lot with her faith. And, you know, she's being told in her church that she shouldn't give up on Victor's soul, basically. And the fact that he is gay means he's going to hell. That that thing, that's so gross. And And you see when Isabel, I think, starts to turn the page, when she confronts him after he's said to her young son that Victor is based is going to hell if they don't save his soul, which is just despicable to say to any child and it's not true anyway. So it's just gross. And I love that she goes in mm-hmm. there and confronts him and says, no, you're not going to do this. We're not coming here anymore. You're not going to, you know, my, my son doesn't need to be saved from anything um, except for you basically. So it's, it's, it's just, I'm glad that she did that. And I think, but that's her biggest struggle is struggling with how she grew up and her faith and, um, and also struggling with, like you said, she had that image of who her son was and they were so close. They were so, so close. And so she feels like she's losing that and she doesn't know how to deal Mm -hmm. with that. And yes, she is very cold to Benji, extremely cold to Benji. And I do love that she eventually has that scene with Benji where they sit and talk and she actually encourages Benji to go to her son. And I thought that was really nice to see. I like the scene that she does have with Victor after he's gone, you know, he plays hooky from school and, and with Raheem and they go to that gay bar and, and she goes to pick him up. And I really enjoyed that a lot, the scene in the car and the fact that, you know, Benji calls him and she's like, Nope, I'm not even here. Go ahead. And so you see her kind of turning the page. So I like that she is trying, she is growing. I, I hope she does start to go to the P flag meetings because I think that would probably help her a lot. I know she was going to, but then of course she saw the dad interacting with the other mom and she didn't want to be there for that, which was understandable. Um, but I, yeah. I hope that she eventually will do that and find her way there. Uh, maybe we'll see that in the next season. But I, and, and the dad, and once again, even though he does struggle, I think he's still struggling with this, but he is taking that route of wanting to understand and wanting to be a better father for Victor. And once again, showing a side of men that we don't see enough and getting that toxic masculinity. And once again, I appreciated that so, so much because he's also struggling with the fact that his marriage might be over. And so you've got all this personal stuff that's going on but he still wants to be the best father he can possibly be. And I, I love seeing good, healthy fathers <laughs> in television, um, in movies and entertainment in general. And so I, I love that both of these have good fathers. They're not all good fathers, but they have good fathers there. So I, I, I appreciate his family yeah. overall. And I, and I love Pilar again, we've already spoken about her, but I, I really love that character. And it's funny because in my mind, it, it took a while for me to realize she wasn't the oldest sibling. To me, she acts like the older sibling always. It's really interesting to me because I think she acts more like that than Victor does. I've just always thought that through the whole show. I, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there, though. This is something like, again, I've had a lot of students say this sort of thing to me is that as the oldest girl in their family they are the ones who carry more of the responsibility because the sons are often i don't i don't know if that's the right word but like favored kind of you know they like oh pilar like do the dishes victor go ahead and sit on the couch that's not what i mean thing. like i don't that, mean it i don't mean that i mean like her attitude is very 
um, older. She acts, presents a lot older than Victor does. That's funny. I didn't, I never saw it that way because I thought of it more in the, like, she's rebellious. Mm -hmm. And I always associate that with like middle child. (laughs) At least when I look at my own siblings, that's there. They were sort of the more rebellious ones than, than the older ones. But it's kind of like, and it's not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of reminiscent in some weird way. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the show Mad About You, but you had the two sisters in there and Jamie was the younger sister and her older sister was always messing up and Jamie's always bailing her out. And you think the whole time that Jamie's must be the older one, but she's not because she has that role that you already think. So with this one, I always thought of Pilar because she just seems older. She acts older to me. She seems more like it really, I was like, oh, she's the oldest sibling, obviously. And I just thought that from the get-go. It was just, and that's what I think is interesting about her character is she's, to me, she's taken on a lot more uh, personally, internally than a lot of the other characters have in some respects. And I just mean that in the fact that, you know, she just comes off as older. She just always did. So it's always, it's still, to this, yeah. even when people, even when you said that earlier, I, I was like, no, no, he's not. And then I was like, no, he is. But it just doesn't seem that way. <laughs> so close they're only like a year apart yeah, something right like something that. like that i think the two of them are really close yeah. in age so that also like plays a role like you know there's no visual visual distinction in their age i don't think yeah that's that's very true yeah that too look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, well, um, like season one, season two ended on a big cliffhanger, and season three is coming out really soon here. I don't remember what date it's dropping, so I don't... No, it'll be out by the time this podcast episode drops. But the cliffhanger is, so um, the last thing is is a wedding. It's uh, Mia's dad and um, his girlfriend are getting married. So Victor goes there with Rahim as he thinks friends. And he thinks Benji and him have sort of broken up kind of at this point. And then Benji has that talk with Victor's mom and ends up going to the wedding and sees Victor and Rahim dancing together, and he storms off, doesn't even bother, because of not communicating. Once again, like we said, you can't, nothing happens if you communicate. (laughs) Um, But he storms off, and then Victor's like, oh, and he's talking to Rahim about it, and he's like, we're just friends, we're just friends. Rahim's like, no, we're not. We're not just friends. You've got to admit that there's more here. And he kisses Victor. And then he leaves and says, you know, decide who you want, basically. And then there's the great scene with Victor and Felix. And they're talking about it. And Felix is just like, you know, close your eyes. It is Felix, right? He says, close your eyes. Picture who you want to do this with, this with, this with, this with. Who do you picture doing that? And then that's also how Felix makes up the mind. His mind to go to Pilar and choose Pilar over Lake, which was the best decision. Yes, it was the best decision. Because you could watch his face and see he was also doing the same thing. Um, I love that mm-hmm. scene. And mm-hmm. so then the last scene is you see Felix go to a door, the door opens, and uh, Victor. Victor. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I know we really love Felix. Victor goes goes to the door. Door opens. And you don't know if it's Benji or Rahim. And that's the big cliffhanger. So. Or someone else. Yeah, it could be someone else. Someone we've never met. No. That would be so stupid if they did that. Uh, (laughs) So, Bex, I want to know, which guy do you want Victor to be with? I really don't know. Like, honestly, I think Victor has some, some stuff to figure out for himself first, right? Like, I personally would like, like, being out doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with someone. And I would like to have Victor have time by himself to grow and learn and figure out his own deal and not be with either of them. I, I really, I really don't know. Like, I, I think that he wasn't seeing the things that Raheem was seeing, but that Benji also isn't really the right match at this moment for him. Like, I, I don't know. I, there's part of me that wants it to be like, I don't, it wants me, wants it to be someone else at the door. Not someone we don't know, but like someone who's not a love interest, a just like, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, his little brother or, you know, like his one of the, anyone. <laughs> but it, that it doesn't have to be romantic, you know, that I, I don't know. I just, I think he needs time by himself. So I, I know that's a cop out by no, not, not answering, but like, that's what I'm going to say. It's not a cop out because that's, that's very, that's actually a really good point. Um, he, you know, he does deserve some time by himself to figure himself out. That is true. You know, when I first watched this, the first time I watched it, I was hoping it was Benji that he chose. The second time I watched it, I wanted it to be Rahim um, because I, I just, I have so many issues with Benji now. And I think Benji is not a very healthy person for him to be with. And I, and I still like Benji. But I don't think it's a very healthy relationship for him to have at this time, especially when he's dealing with so many other things. I just I don't think it's healthy. And I think Benji is too quick to dismiss Victor and Victor's feelings. And I don't I don't I mean, I did like I will give Benji credit for uh, the first time they had sex. I think Benji was very good in all those in all that whole episode where they go to Benji's family's cabin and Victor is very, very nervous about having sex for the first time and very unsure. And a lot of characters are. But I love how Benji was in that episode. And Benji was very supportive and loving and caring. And I did appreciate that. But I think more more times than not, he's not. So I kind of would prefer, if he's going to be with one or the other, that it be Rahim. Because I just think, you know, that'll be interesting. Although there is that other part of like, well, you know... I don't know. Maybe he should be this. I don't know. It's 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 hard to this. It's hard to decide. But I do kind of like your your thinking there of him being alone. That might be kind of interesting, and it actually being a friend that he goes to. <laughs> we'll see. I think I think most of the fans, to be honest, and I was trying to get a feel of who the fans were trying to choose, and I I should have done a poll. So I'm not sure who the fans are siding with. Do you have any idea? No, I haven't really I delved into that fandom, so I just kind of watched it on its own. Yeah, yeah. It I should have, <laughs> you know, our podcast, I should have delved into that fandom to see uh, who people were choosing. But I have a feeling people would be very upset if it wasn't one of them. <laughs> That's another reason I'm here for that. I'm like, <laughs> let's just like subvert all expectations. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe that'll happen. We'll, we'll see, really see. Maybe by the time this is dropped, we will see. So I want to know, since we've talked about both of these, 
Bex, do you prefer the movie Love Simon or the show Love Victor? Okay, so I I think if I had to pick just one, I would pick the show because having this sort of episode like an episodic nature of television just allows you to develop characters more fully, to dive into side storylines. Um so if I had to pick one, it would be that, but I think we need them both together. I think they complement one another in such an important way that it seems almost incomplete without having having both stories. You know, it's the same town. There's like experiences are different. It's a few years later. Victor comes from a Latino family who's new to the town. He didn't he wasn't born there. He didn't grow up there and all of that. You know, his parents are going through struggles. Simon's weren't. Um, you know, his responsibilities in life and to his family are very different than those that Simon had. We need to see the differences in their stories. So what, you know, I, I mentioned before, it's not just love Simon with a Latino lead. It is love Victor, a very d- distinct story within the same universe. So yeah, if I had to pick one, the show, but I really think they belong together. Copping out on both. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. You're not. Why not both? Why not both? Okay. <laughs> it's the motto of big reputations. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm just kidding there because I, I think that's true. I think that's exactly true. Um, and I would choose the show too if I had to choose one. And the main reason is because it is a television show. And also because you get and, and because it gets to develop the characters more, because actually I'm more of a film geek, but um and also i like the characters more in love victor than i do in love simon i like victor more than i do simon i like the friends in love victor more than in love simon i I, you know that that kind of thing so i think overall i just prefer prefer it but i love both and like you said you can't have one without Mm -hmm. the other and they both exist in the same universe so you can't (laughs) so i i do but you know if i was choosing i would definitely choose love Okay, and we still don't have our song yet. At some point, Carla is going to be doing our introduction song for our newest segment, Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. And I know Bex is playing. So yes. did you connect Finn to, I mean, I guess you could actually connect anyway. You could connect him to both of them just through one. But did you do two different ones? No. I w- okay. Well, first of all, I I can't take credit for this. This was all my co-host, Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to, I was working through it and I was like, I'm, I'm like halfway there, but, ah. and I was like, yeah, this is what I need to do. We were recording the other night and she's like, oh, I got this for you. So she came up with one for me, uh, from Love, Simon. And it is Jennifer Garner was in Love, Simon. She was married to Ben Affleck, or if you want to do it in a movie, they were both in Pearl Harbor. So we can keep it to that. Ben Affleck was in Forces of Nature with Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock was in Ocean's 8 with Sarah Paulson. And Sarah Paulson was in Ratchet with Finn, R- Whit- with Finn Whitrock. <laughs> I can't even say his name. That's Most why. people can't. It's the funniest thing. It is the funniest thing. <laughs> I tried to do it right. I tried to do it right. <laughs> when, when I have Finn on here, because this is going to happen, I'm determined. Uh, I will ask him if this is a common thing that happens to him in real life. Yeah, Finn. Well, it's so funny. I can do this, but 
no yeah so she she did come up with a shorter version of going just jennifer garner to ben affleck and then ben affleck being in deep water with finn whitrock so that was her shortened version but we we tried to find like five or six the first time around (laughs) yeah because that was one of mine i had was the ben affleck one um and then to deep water uh, which we still have our It's a Snail thing, which is a reference to deep water. <laughs> we do have that merch at our Redbubble store. Uh, grab some today. And um, so I won't do Jennifer Garner. I'll, so my loves, because I had a couple for her, actually. Um, so love, Simon. I'll do Josh Dumel because this means I get to mention all my children again. So Josh Dumel was in All My Children, playing Leo. I, I loved him in All My Children. And Finn Whitrock was also in All My Children. Uh, that's a big pretty big character. yeah pretty big character i love that i can do that one because that's one that's we did mention it last week so i almost said i shouldn't mention this one again because we just did this one but i decided i would do it again because i think it's fun to mention that because i have always been an on and off soap person my whole entire life and the only other panelist that got excited when they saw that he used to be in all my children was our anonymous megan because she was trying to play this and she had never played it before and it was so cute because she was like she thought we were recasting Finn as character in there. But then when we went through, she was like looking at his IMDb. She's like, he was on all my children. It's <laughs> like, you're the only other panelist that would even notice anything about that. Um, but yes, and soap actors deserve more respect. I just want to say that's a damn hard job to do. <laughs> so I was like, put out there. And then I connected him to L- Love Victor, which there are two American Horror Story ways to connect him. Of course, the easiest is Leslie Grossman, who is amazing, awesome. We love Leslie Grossman on this podcast. And she, of course, was in American Horror Story 1984. But the one I really wanted to use was American Horror Story Red Tide, which is the better half of that stupid, dumb double feature, the latest season. I do like Red Tide, though. But And she plays his agent. She is amazing in that season. I love her so much in that season. But you can also connect him. Through Rachel Hillen, who plays uh, Mia in this, who was in the second half, the horrible half of Double Feature, Death Valley. It's so boring, where basically Ryan Murphy went to AO3, Archive of Our Own, and decided to read some fanfic about tentacle sex and incorporated it with aliens. And you had men giving birth to alien babies. And Leslie Grossman's also in that, that part, too. But... Yeah, it's it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's, and it's boring. It is so boring. You have Richard Nixon and all that. And it's, it's <laughs> I love your face. <laughs> it's basically a conspiracy theorist little thing put together. Basically aliens have been you know, controlling our government. It's I mean, sure. It's so sure. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's how Finn is connected. So, and once again, a reminder, we have the audience version of Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. We're going to play, we're going to select four shows or movies we've covered in the past, new ones each month. So by the time this podcast episode is dropped, hopefully we will have June's out um, and it'll be on our website. You just go to our website. There's the link in the show notes too, and click on, it's literally the section is called Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. (laughs) Submit your choices. And Finn, do not be afraid to submit yourself. You can use a pseudonym. You can listen to any past episodes and get pseudonyms. Of <laughs> <laughs> different ways to call yourself. Or it could be you that has been submitting all of these. I don't know. 
because you want your merch. Don't be afraid. You can also, you know, we will gladly send you some free merch if you have a P.O. box or somewhere you want us to send that. Reach out to this show as well. So once again, that's on our website and the page called Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock because this is a new segment we will be doing for the foreseeable future. I think it's been a ton of fun to play it on the show as well. Um, and once again, we will have an intro song coming soon. I can't wait to hear that intro song from Carla. <laughs> so, Bex, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Um, it was good to chat. And it, was, it was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, this is a nice way to kick off Pride. We've got some great, great um, ones coming, and I'll announce those in a second here. But, Bex, where can they find you and your podcasts? Well, I... Um, I host a podcast with my friend Kim called Big Reputations. You can find us at Big Rep Pod on Twitter and at Big Reputations Pod on Instagram. Um, our latest episode, by the time this comes out, um, is on Marilyn Monroe. That's out on June 1st. And the episode after that is on Marsha P. Johnson, which is out on June 15th. So very excited about those. I also co-host a podcast called Latinx Visions, which just wrapped up its second season. And I am a contributor to the podcast Coach Beard's Book Club. So you can check out any of those where you get your podcasts. Awesome. Thank you. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at eAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us via our website at it's a fandom thing pod.com. Hit the contact us button. That'll shoot us an email and we can talk about you being a potential interview guest on the show. I love doing interviews. Go listen to my interviews. I pride myself on my interviews and my interview skills. So please go listen to any of those and you can see how professional I am and how seriously I take it. I will read your books. I will watch your movies. I will do the research. I will not be lazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> It just bugs me how many times I hear from creative people that people don't read their books or watch their movies. And it's yeah. so weird to me. Anyway, I understand people are busy. I'm extremely busy, but still, it's weird to me. Or you can just email us directly if you'd prefer that at uh, it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And like I said, we are kicking off Pride Month. And next week, we are kicking off our four part. Yes, four part. This time, we're doing two weeks of Queers Folk content. Very excited about this. So we are going to be diving deep into some of the characters. Yes, I realize I did not give Ted and Emmett separate episodes and I combined them to them together. I had to do that. So I apologize in advance because I know how passionate the Queer as Folk fandom is. I'm part of that fandom. It's my all-time favorite show. I understand. But ahead of any hate messages I get, I just had to do that. It doesn't mean I don't love both of them. At Emmett, I adore to the moon and back, anyone who knows me knows this. So we are going to kick it off with talking about Ted and Emmett and then Michael. And following that, we are going to talk about Justin and then Brian, Sex on Legs, Kinney. Uh, yes, I do need to trademark that. And then after that, after Queer as Folk, we are going to be talking about the L Word, Generation Q, which this is going to be a first time watch for me. I'm not a big fan of the L Word, so this will be interesting. <laughs> 
saying I'm very mixed on the L word. But Aaron A. loves this show. And so we're doing that one together. That's going to be a live stream. And then we are going to be talking about John Waters. I'm so happy that Jen, my podcast brain twin, happens to be a fan of John Waters. Go listen to episode on my streaming bubble that I did with her talking about John. And we'll be talking about him again. I love John Waters. And it always made me sad that so many of our podcast people on here that my panelists don't like John or are not big fans. And now I finally have someone that is. So we're going to be talking about that. And then we're going to wrap up with talking about Lady Gaga. So I'm very, very excited about our lineup for that. So it should be a ton of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.